0: podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello, whilst Forest Focus, Nottingham Forest slipped to a 3-2 defeat at Brentford on Saturday where the whole story outside the Reds camp was about the return of Ivan Tony. We'll discuss that free kick and moving foam, Forest failings and the positive work they did do in the company of, first of all, Reds fan Michael Temple. Temps, afternoon, how are you doing? Hey, Matt, good, thank you. Good, good, good to have you with us. And returning to the show is former Reds defender Kelvin Wilson. Kelvin, good to have you back, how are you? I'm very well, thanks. Good, good. Right, um, we'll come to Ivan Tony and free kicks and everything shortly, but as ever, just kick us off, Temps, with your, your overall thoughts on, on the game and how it went for Forrest.
0: Well, it was a great start, wasn't it? And that gave me confidence we were going to go on and get something out of the game. Um, The the Tony incident is is the right talking point because I think it could have been prevented without even needing to talk about Ivan Tony. We've got to set up the defensive wall far better than we did there. And I'm sure if Kelvin was part of it, he'd be screaming at his keeper and making sure that something changed before that free kick was taken. I was a bit disappointed at the end of the game. I didn't think we found that gung-ho gear where we needed to try different things, go to plan C, play the long ball, change the shape, whatever. I didn't think we did quite enough to try and affect a, a turnaround in our, our fortunes. But yeah, the, uh, the, the talking point is the Ivan Tony free kick. And I think we probably both got plenty to say on that.
1: Yeah, definitely. A couple of quick, good afternoons uh, to everyone. Clifford in the USA, uh, Dan, Robbie, who's in Italy, Ian, Tony, who's in Paris, Lucky, lucky Tony, uh, Mark, TC, Phil, AT, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, the free kick, then um, Kelvin. We, I was just saying before we started. I've heard loads of pundits talking about it today. Gary Lineker, Alan Shearer, Michael Richards, Andy Townsend, Ali McCoy, The list goes on. They all say the same thing. It was, you know, clever by Tony. Lineker thought it was brilliant. I am um, not quite to to that degree, but you know, for me, the the, the onus is on Forrest a lot more than what Ivan Tony did. But yeah, what's your take on it?
2: I think you know, as a player, as a former player, if you get away with that, if you are on the winning team or the the team that's going to benefit from that, you know, you're laughing and you're happy. You're delighted with it. Um, you've got to look past that then. It's it's more on the wall and the goalkeeper. I think Yates is, if any player you want in that wall, you, you want Ryan Yates. You know, he's going to take it. You think he's going to take it in the face. He's, he's a pretty strong character. But um, he's kind of jumped forward and across the wall. I think if he stays, stays straight, he's, got, he's going to block it. But Ivan Toni, yeah, it's just clever play, you know, we're Forest fans, so we, we, we're we not delighted with it, we don't see it as clever, we, we'd want it to be looked at by VAR, and it's there for a reason, VAR, so you'd think they would have stepped in and and maybe made him retake it, or even stopped the free-kick being taken, so yeah, it's it's disappointing, but you've got you. forest fan. Yeah, I am boys. It's it's, it's clever from Tony as, as an ex player, looking, looking at a player doing that. It's it's just very, it's very clever and very, um, I wouldn't say it's cheating. Obviously people are going to say it's cheating, but as a football player, players go down in the box. If you get a little touch, because you know, it could be a penalty. So if, if you can get away any little margin you can get, especially in the premier league, them two clubs as well, they're down near the bottom. So, any advantage they can get, that they're going to try and take, and Tony did.
1: So we'll come on to VAR in a sec. We accept Tony did what he did. When it comes to lining up the wall, I always thought it was on the keeper, but I was listening to Alan Shearer, and he said it was equally, it should be on the the last defender to just move, move them over. But we saw Ryan Yates turn to Turner and say, look at this, what's going on here? So where does the blame lie for you from a former player's point of view? Is it on Turner for a poor wall? Should Ryan Yates be doing more? And also, what's Callum, Callum Hudson-Odoi doing, kind of dangling off to the side as well?
2: I, I, I don't understand why Alan Shearer said that it's down to the players. at all, it's down to the goalkeeper because if the goalkeeper lies the wall up and then you take it upon yourself to move that wall as a player in that wall and they score, you're going to get it in the neck anyway from the manager, from the from the goalkeeper... So, you know, the goalkeeper's got the best view. You know, he needs that wall to where he thinks that he can cover the other side. So, it's stands to the goalkeeper for me. You know, he's, he's lined it up. But I still go back to Ryan Yates. I think that, you know, I've watched it. I've, I've rewinded it. I've looked back. I've, he's jumped forward and he's kind of tilted his body the wrong way, like out the way of the ball. I think if he says really straight and just strong, it hits him. It might even hit the corner of his leg, his knee, and go out for a corner. But um, he's kind of jumped forward for some for some reason. I don't know why. And it's gone in, but yeah, it's not down to the players to line the wall up, absolutely not. But then saying that, I have I have played under, under Neil Lennon at, at Celtic and sometimes he'll get the the last man on the wall to do it. So if that's agreed that the last man on the wall lines it up or takes control of that situation, but... No, I think overall it's the goalkeeper. It's what he's comfortable with because you know it's he knows that shot's going to come in, so he's got to be comfortable to where no blame's going to be left on him if it's if it's beating the wall or if it goes through the wall.
1: Last one specifically on it for you, then from a player's point of view, Calvin. Does, does a Forest player have to be watching Tony roll it and you know flag it to the ref, walk up to Tony and stand on the ball, or do something, or is it or is it on the ref to to intervene and? keep an eye on it. I don't know where, what do we do about that? Um, I think when, when you stand on the ball, you stand on the ball to slow the game down so they mm. can't
2: take a quick free kick. <laughs> he's not going to take a quick free kick there because he's obviously going to shoot so he wants to line the ball up. So he, the players know then their concentration's off if he's moving that ball. You, you expect, you put your trust in the ref and the officials to to see if he's moving that ball. So no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that the onus is on the players for that. No, oh, they've got to concentrate on their job then because even the players not in the wall they're marking players. They've been, you know, they've got the certain players. They've got to pick up in case it's not going to be a shot. Because you see a lot of a lot of free kicks in that area now. It's not always a shot, you know. It's always, you know, to try and pass it around the wall and, and create another opportunity. So no, I wouldn't say the onus is on the on the players for that for for him moving the ball. I think that's got to be down to the uh, the officials. That's that's what they get paid for to do on that day is to watch things like that and correct them things.
1: Is a further frustration, Temps, that we saw there's just a carbon copy goal last year where Cech Koyaci turned his, his back and the ball was almost in the same place. We knew, I mean, Ivan Tony's not going to pass there, really. He's only going to hit it in one place. It's
0: another thing where forests have got to be much more street smart and just aware, haven't they? Exactly that. It's definitely not cheating. It's gamesmanship. It's in that same bracket as taking a throw-in from five yards further up the line or encroaching a, a, a yard as, as a man in the wall. It's 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 not cheating. It's just that one percenter. As Calve mentioned earlier, you, this is quite simple for me. The keeper stands on the near post, looks at the line of the wall, makes adjustments as he needs to. Yes, you can see he's got the ball wrong, the wall wrong. Tells him doesn't react, doesn't move over. Anything that happens dynamically from that point, you have to react. So dynamically, Ivan Tony's moved the ball a yard. You have to react. We didn't. It was soft. I, I didn't notice the AC thing until I just watched the replay back closely there. But that's another half yard loss from the, the validity of this of this wall. So, so frustrating. Tony does like that right-sided free kick to the near stick. Often you'd expect to see a left footer taking that. He tricked Navas last year with a really well-placed free kick from slightly further out, just beating for pace. There's no way Turner was getting across there. He's completely blindsided as well. He's not going to see that ball until it's too late. And it's a, a really, really big error. So I think the debate is probably more fundamental than that. It's one that we've had before. Not why was the wall wrong, but is this keeper up to the standard required to keep in the Premier League? A lot of people in the comments um are saying, you know, it is cheating. He's moved
1: the foam. He's you know, is it can you see some as you're shaking your head, Calvin? If I play devil's advocate, is it the foam thing that yeah, it crosses the line from being clever and cheeky into just, you know, cheating effectively. You wouldn't see it that way still.
2: No, it's not cheating. Cheating's what Maradona did against against England in 66. That's cheating. You know, it's a blatant ball. That's not trying to gain a yard or gain a little advantage. That's, that's cheating. Moving the ball, I think, like Temptor said, you get how many throwings get taken in the right place? None. None. You know, when the throwing goes out in the corner flag, in the defensive half, they never take the throne from that. They, they're, they're taking it on the edge of the 18-yard box. So it's it's not it's not cheating at all. No, absolutely not. It's it's clever from Tony. You know, we're on the, the end of it that we don't want to be on the end of, of him scoring a goal. But I, th- I think it comes down to, to the goalkeeper as well. You know, I'm not one to really... To, I'm a player because I've been a player. I know what it's like to, to get the pundits, you know, pointing the finger at you and stuff like that. But I think when you're at this level... And there's so much at stake. I think the goalkeepers just—it's time and time again that it's it's coming back to to Turner things that are that are costing Forest
1: games. Uh, yeah, I do want to come back to that. Well, we will shortly. Uh, thanks to Johnny Venables and Sarah Thompson for becoming members. Appreciate the support there. Just on the VAR side of it, Temps. Um, it seems, you know, no one seems clear if VAR can actually intervene in this area. I don't know if they can or not. I mean, in principle, should they? Should they go back to the ref and say, look, like Cameron said, he's got to retake that or even, you know, flip, turn it the other way and well, not necessarily book him because that wouldn't happen. But does does VAR have to step in in that instant?
0: Well, I find that a bit laughable that back in VAR HQ, they sat there not knowing if they can intervene or not. If that audio gets released one day and it's John saying to Dave, should we do something about that, mate? And he's shrugging his shoulders and saying, not sure. That's that's not good enough. It's another one of those examples of situations that will continue to present themselves that VAR hasn't seen before and simply doesn't know what to do. So, yeah, let, you know, the angry fella that uh, rings talk sport shout about VAR on that one. I'm not going to get into the intricacies of, of, of that right now. He gained an advantage. We saw him do it. We didn't react. Whatever Forrest and Nuno say publicly, behind the scenes and in private, I'd imagine they're going to be very critical of their goalkeeper and very critical of the lack of process, which didn't see us dynamically adjust the wall. That's where the inquest will focus in the training ground this week.
1: What do you think about Forrest writing to the league again, uh, Howard Webb's It's like, I don't know, fourth time we've done it now?
0: Yeah, I, I I wouldn't do it, or if if I was doing it, I wouldn't make a, a public statement about it. Look, like I I get it. There's there's high emotion after the game, and and we we do feel that we've been been wronged quite consistently. The the Bolly thing, I think, was entirely valid. We we had a very similar conversation, and I was a hundred percent in seeing the injustice of that and raging at the ref and VAR and, and and everything else. I I don't think this is quite in that same bracket, but we we are feeling the impact of these 3-2 defeats, which has been a very prevalent score for Forrest. And sometimes you feel the, the, the world's against you. They've totted up a little bit for Nuno. He's been unlucky, hasn't he, in that sense that he's had two fantastic wins where we've looked fluid and uh, free score is the wrong word, but dynamic in attack and looking really positive and, and, and a team transformed from what we saw six, seven weeks ago. And there's been a couple of games now where the, the major talking point hasn't necessarily been about pure football or hasn't been a mistake of, of his making. So I, I, I get that. He probably feels the, the the world's against him. There's a scenario in which he could have four more league points, um, given the form that his team have shown since he's he's taken charge. But no, I I wouldn't be one for making public statements about Howard Webb or um, the match officials body or anything like that. I just I just think sometimes you um, have to be a little bit more circumspect and use those public statements wisely or they just start to lose a little bit of impact. Yeah, it's a bit boy
1: who cried wolf, isn't it? After a while, but I agree about the the body one certainly. Um, as Davy says, we've got three, well, 360 people watching now, so do us a favor and hit like uh, and subscribe if you haven't already. Um, feel free to weigh in on that, Kelvin, if you want, but also the thing about 3-2 defeats that's our fifth 3-2 defeat of the season. I think we've had uh eight 3-2 score lines in the Premier League, we've lost them all. Obviously, circumstances are always different, but is there a a correlation there around, I don't know, mental weakness or anything like that that you would read into it?
2: I think just going back to that, the the free kick and the the statement, I think with Nuno, I think he will obviously come out and say that publicly and and complain about that. But I can assure you when they're doing the video analyst um, with the players today, that won't be getting mentioned. You know, he will be pointing the finger at, at the goalkeeper, maybe eight, and asking why, 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 not, not. He's moved the ball, and yeah, unlucky lads. He's moved the ball. It's, it's, it's the ref's fault. Not a chance. Not a chance. So on, on that terms. No, I, I, I just think that he'll probably be doing that just to tick a box to for the club, really, because obviously the club are saying they're going to write to to the FA or or whatever they're going to do the Premier League. So yeah, I don't think he'll be he'll be um complaining with the players about that. Um, with the three two results, yeah, I think with a club like Forest where we are. In the league and things like that. When you go, you go and score two goals. You expect to get at least a draw, you know, especially away from home. It's not, you know, we, we, we're not Manchester City or or Arsenal or the Liverpool where you're going to go and score bags of goals. So to keep conceding these goals, I wouldn't put it down to mentally. We, I just, I, I think it's just, just a lack of belief sometimes. I think. I think you've got to see games out, it's it's keeping your concentration but Forrest, like you keep saying, how many times they've done it now this season to go and lose games three
1: too, it's it's criminal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've led in quite a few of those games as well, as Greg points out in, in the comments, we do turn over a, a lot of points uh, after that. Last one on the free kick, I know John's pointed out a few times in the comments, uh, Oral Mangala shouldn't have brought him down, which is probably true, you wouldn't really back Damsgard to score from there, it was a slightly sloppy free kick i guess certainly and that was a that was a theme we might come back to as well just going back to goalkeepers then um it's interesting i want to hear kelvin's opinion but what's yours temps because um what can we can't go back to the now can we, do we just, for me i think you just have to stick return if you're not going to sign someone and then I'll ask kelvin what he thinks about whether we need to sign someone but what, what do you think
0: once again we saw the best of him in terms of his hands so there were some solid takes not a lot of bounces off matt turner it's just anytime you see any footballer running around the ball to kick it um, you, you, your heart sinks a bit doesn't it even if it's a lad i'm meeting for the first time in sunday football you can you can tell a footballer when you when you see one at any level and he's wholly uncomfortable but he's, his hands are decent so i think he'll keep the shirt but it's priority recruitment we need to spin the wheel we need to find a way to bring in plan c because neither plan a nor plan b are of the level of keeping. We've become accustomed to it for. It's been some great players between the sticks over the years. Kelv's played a few himself, but you know, non, none of these two are going to go down in that that list of, of of classic keepers, are they, unfortunately? I think Turner's the man for now, but it, his days are limited if there's an opportunity to recruit.
1: What do you think about it, Kelvin, overall? The whole picture of how we've ended up from going from Bree Samba to Dean Henderson to Kalor Navas to, to, to where we are now without digging them out too much.
2: Yeah, without being disrespectful, it's definitely a backward step in that in that position. Um I think that's I think it's gonna be it's got really important for Forest to stay in the lead to, to get a goalkeeper this this month. I honestly think that. And that's I know it sounds disrespectful to, to Turner, but it's you know, his form isn't up to up to scratch for, for where Forest need to be. And the goals that I think, you know, is is it's, it's, it's being a goalkeeper nowadays, it's not just about your hands. It's not just about saving the ball. You know, you've got to be able to play now. And he's shown on many occasions that, you know, that's not his strong point. And if that's the way Forrest are going to want to play as well with Nuno, it's, it, it's a must. It's a must, I think. I think Forrest needs a striker. I know Chris was scoring goals. You know, he's been brilliant for us so far. But they need another striker. They do. Um, but I think more importantly, the goalkeeper. Yeah, they, they need a new goalkeeper. If they don't, yeah, I would stick with Turner. For now, you can't keep swapping your goalkeeper. You can't, you know, it's not something that you want as a player, as a defender. You want you want to have that trust. You want to build a relationship. You know, I played with Lee Camp. Lee Camp was brilliant. You know, he's very vocal, very, is a very, very strong character. And I, th- I feel with goalkeepers, that's, that's their main attribute, is their character. They've got to be strong, very strong-minded. And I just feel with Turner, he's, he looks nervous before games. He looks very nervous. And that comes down to your, you know, confidence. Confidence is the, the biggest thing in football. You know, he's, he's good enough to be a goalkeeper at that level because that is there. But when your confidence is down, you know, you you just feel like the world's against you and think you don't want the ball, you don't want it to come near you. You just want to try and do your job under the radar and watch the game go by. But in that league, Forest are gonna see a lot of the ball in their box with with the teams that they play against. So they need a very, very strong, confident goalkeeper.
1: Mm. I know a few fans were saying, and people on here were saying, pick Turner and just tell him to boot it long to Chris Wood. And they didn't do that. And I don't know, you can't really do that these days, can you? You've got to have a keeper who can do more than that. Uh, uh, you know, you can't just say to him, lump it up to the halfway line, can you?
2: No, because it's like, you know, Forrester in today training, you know, the, for the week that we training on how they're going to play on Saturday. You know, it's not, they can't say every time it comes back to you, Turner, just, just boot it up to, to Chris Wood because... Like I've just said, a lot of the ball will be with Turner because that's that's this league. It's, it's the Premier League. Forest aren't going to have a lot of possession against a lot of teams, so they've got to learn to build build from the back and and keep the ball. You know, you see a lot of teams in the final third attacking, but then the ball ends up back at the goalkeeper because you need to draw the team back out because teams are that organised that you need to open teams up, and a lot of it starts from the goalkeeper. It's a bit like the defence starts from Chris Wood, the forward. It's the same with attack. It starts from the goalkeeper at times. And I just feel, especially with the ball at his feet, he, he really, really struggles.
1: Mm, yeah, oh, you see the value of it today, don't you, with teams like um, Bryson, obvious example, but also Brentford on Saturday. If you can beat the press and break a couple of lines from the goalkeeper, then then you're in business, certainly. Um, let's focus. We'll come to the, the good work that Forrest did, but we might as well go through all these, these goals and get Kelvin's take on them. The second goal, Kelvin... Uh, is it on more Murillo for getting done at the near post or is it more Montiel for losing his man in uh, Ben Mee, who's just such an obvious target as well? Where are you placing the blame?
2: Foremost, if you're man for man, it's it's the man marking him, without a doubt. You know, as a player, as a defender, I was a man marker and When your man scores, you know, you just know that it's Monday morning the video is going to get put on and the, the fingers, you've got nowhere to, to hide, it's, it's your man, you know, it's on, on the board in the change rooms who you've got to mark, so first and foremost, it's the man that's that's marking the player, then you look for your team, teammates to help you out, you know, save me, he's got away from me, One of, someone else helped me now, Murillo's got to go and head that boy has got to go and attack it, he's waiting for the ball to come to him, then me has got to cross the front of him, and it's a great header, it's a good, it's good movement, a great header, but yeah, it's, there's there's two faults there, you know. It's the man marker and then and then Murillo. So you you hope that one of them's going to at least deal with it, which
1: unfortunately none of them did. What's your take on Murillo? The more we see of him, temps like God, I love him, great player, but aerially, it is a challenge for him that he's got to overcome if he's going to make it to the very next level, isn't it?
0: Yeah, I'm reading some of the comments there about converting him into left back or or CDM because of the positive attributes that he that he has, uh, one or two raw elements to his game. Obviously, but he's a 21 year old who is um, occasionally catching fire in the Premier League. So I, I think his long term future as an elite tier centre half and certainly a, a future Brazil international is 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 all but secured i rate him that that highly but we we are um we're training him we're his training ground he's played 21 games of football before he's come to forest at professional level so we're going to see moments of rawness we're going to see some indecision we're going to see a a lack of positioning at times but his elite attributes the pace the strength the physicality that you can see see he has and that ability is a ball playing defender to ping the left peg as, as as well as he does, as well as he has done this season, it means that he's going to be a mainstay in this, this forest side. Just going back to the corner, I think there's a, a little bit of credit. And Calvin noticed this, the, the way that Pinnock is there just to disrupt and to hold the marker. So he manages to generate that half yard for Ben Mee to make that run across the front stick. And it is a, is a towering header. But yeah, Pinnock's pinning Montiel um, uh, Mangala's in there, one or two others, with no intention of of moving or doing anything other than providing that free run for Ben Me. So training ground exercise, and it's paid off. I think I've seen in the last couple of games evidence of um, forest improvement from set pieces. I know Simon Rusks in there with a, with the remit to work on that. We saw the the near post flick for the back post goal for. Um Obama Delhi against Blackpool. So that's that's definitely coming, but we are still susceptible at conceding set pieces. We've got to be wise to grabbing, we've got to be wise to the, the, the passive player and, and the active player, as Pinnock and me were for, for that goal. So I think it's another one of the, the big work ons of forest. We have to be more resilient in defending set pieces. What about these set pieces, Kelvin? I
1: want to, yeah, it's interesting to hear what you think about it. Is it? we've 11 goals from set pieces now with the most in the Premier League. Is that a lack of leadership? I don't think, can't imagine it's a lack of bravery. Is it a lack of organisation? What, what's going on?
2: I think so. I think it's, it's a lack of leadership. Um, I think when you're defending corners, you've got to be very aggressive because, you know, that was a training ground exercise from, from Brentford. Pinnock. Wasn't, he knew he was going for that corner, not to even attack that ball. He knew he was, he's the blocker. He was a blocker. You know, I've been a blocker. He knew what he was doing. So, um, I, I just feel with Forrest they like Marillo, It's the, it's come to the front post. He just thinks because he's a spare man, the ball's just going to come to him, and no one's going to attack that ball. I'll just set that away. I think they've got to be on the front foot all the time. A lot of they're always on the back foot with set pieces. Forrest. They're always, you know, you never see someone taking that charge and going to attack that ball. And I just feel with Forest, they're a little bit soft at set pieces, which is it's it's obvious because like you've just said, we've conceded the most goals from from set pieces. So I think it's more leadership, you know, even you talk about players, you know, shouting, being aggressive. It does wake people up. It, it does work. You know, it's when every time a corner comes, you know, you're grabbing people by the scruff the next saying, right, we had this ball away first to the ball. And it will liven people up. It'll make people, right, we have got to hit this ball, I've got to hit this ball. And it's, you're conscious of it. So you want to go and do it. I think a lot of players probably rely on other players to go and, go and win the ball instead of them taking charge and, and dominating themselves.
1: What about Murillo as a central midfielder? So many people are saying it. I'm I do not I, I don't really necessarily see it myself. Um, because I just wanted to be a really good central defender. But what do you think about it? No, he's a brilliant centre off. You know, he's come he's come from Brazil, it's a completely
2: different culture. you know. He's he's 21 years old. He's got a lot to learn, hell of a lot to learn still. He showed great, great moments at Forest at so far. Um a lot does a still a lot to his game. His runs that he goes on and, and he gets away with. It's great for the fans, but I can tell you now the manager probably won't want that. But that just come from the culture. He's, he's Brazilian. That's what they're they're known, you know. They're very technically good. But um the te- the um the side of defending and things like that will come to him. He will get that. You know, you talk about his size as well. A lot of people say he's not big for a centre-off. Cannavaro wasn't big and he was one of the world's best. So that's that's nonsense. He's got a great leap, he's good in the air. It's just getting that, getting the games under his belt. A season would be great. I know with Forest, we we not really got that time to bed players in. You know, we we've, we've got to try to hit the ground running. Players have when they come into the starting lineup, but he's he's probably the the shining light so far for me. Even though probably in his performances in the last few weeks, I haven't been up to scratch. What he's he's set that bar, but without a doubt, I wouldn't. If if they need him to play like in midfield, then then yeah, he could do a job, maybe a game or two. But overall, no, he's got to be Forrest's main centre-off and, and build around him because he's solid, he can defend and and he can play. And you need to be able to play at this level. You, you've got to have the ball. It's not just about hitting it and kicking it. You know, he's got to be able to play and, and he can play and he can defend first, first and foremost.
1: Yeah, and I think if he's moving in central midfield, then you'll expose a different set of things he's got to learn anyway. And what are you going to do? Play him alongside Sangare and have two sitting midfielders? And then you, we've got a different problem behind us in defence where we, you know, we've know we got, you know, is it Bolly and Niukate who are away? I just don't think he's practical at the moment, certainly. Um, let's move on to the third goal. Uh, you can talk us through it, Temps, what you think about it, and then we'll let Kelvin tell you where you've gone wrong, potentially. But what, what,
0: what, <laughs> what went wrong there for us? Passive defending, not enough pressure on the cross. Malpai, it's a poor cross. It's behind him. He's able to have that touch and we're just not close enough. There's no physical pressure on him. So, look, it almost touched his arm, but it didn't. And then to finish like that on the swivel is top class with the defenders closing. But the defenders didn't affect the striker. So, if if Kelv can't go for the ball, you're getting a little shove in the bottom of the back or something's going to happen to affect your balance. He he didn't have much of the goal to, to aim for. He's not a player that's been in particularly consistent form. He's had to wait and scrap for his time in that in that side. But yeah, that was just us being too passive. And that was a hallmark of the Forest team of 18 months ago. And I hope that doesn't rear itself again. Poor cross, easy turn, great finish, credit to him. But the centre-halves need to show far more aggression in that situation, affect the strikers somehow. I love that I've, I've hung
1: you out to dry, and you've lapped it up and gone all in, and really buried the centre halves with the centre half sat, sat with us. So is is he right, Kelvin, or not? Hit the nail on the edge. Yeah, I think <laughs> I think in the box when you're in the box, you get told by a manager,
2: tight. You've got to be tight. If you can't win the ball, you're tight. You don't let him turn. Physic- even just a little, there's so much a little nudge can do. It knocks you off balance. It's it's Wes Morgan was the best at it. You know, got. Kicks would come, goal kicks would come. And all he would do was never a foul. It's just a little bump and it just knocks you off. It just knocks you off off balance. And none of them was was touched tight to him. I think Morello's dangled a leg. He's tried to, I don't mm. know what he was doing. I've had a look. Um, but one of them's just got to go really tight. It's 2v1 as well. It's two players against one player. So one go tight, one spear. If he beats him, you've still got the other one. I know it's it's in the 18-yard box, but you have to be tight. You have to some physical contact on him. Because if, if he brings that down, all he can do, you don't let him turn, is lay it back. And then your you midfields running on, they can maybe back tackle as well if you, your midfields are running back towards the goal. But none of them did that. They're just, you know, it's, it's the word soft, you know, when you, when you talk about soft, a soft goal, that's a very, very soft goal.
0: Mm, hey, Matt, no. Matt, I'm a centre-off as well, you know. Just because Kel spoke for <laughs> Forest in Scottish Premier League, <laughs> have a bit of respect for the veterans footballers, please. a demo. <laughs>
1: I'm very sorry. <laughs> I'm very sorry. Um, what do you make of and Bamadeli? And Marilla is a pair, two 21-year-olds in the Premier League. That's pretty rare. They're both very inexperienced. What's your take on that?
2: Yeah, it's, it's pff, two 21-year-olds playing in the Premier League together. Yeah, it's it's, it's a risk. It's a risk. Um, bags of potential, both of them. Bags of potential. But I, th- I just feel, you know, experience is a big thing. You hear it a lot. And I'm sure a lot of fans maybe moan um hum and are about it experience this experience that but it is a big thing it's a it's a massive thing especially see, seeing games out it's the biggest thing you know some players at that age might think they can still play it out from the back with 10 minutes to go five minutes to go and you just think just turn it now let's play in there off you know let's not risk anything but they've got bags of potential but um no nah, I, I where we are where forest are you know I think you need a little bit of experience, a little bit of know-how, just to see games out and and just to guide the young lad at the side of you. You know, calm him down sometimes, keep him keep him on his toes. A lot of talking. So, but yeah, bagged of potential both of them, but it's it's a bit of a risk for me playing two young players at the probably one of the most important
0: positions on the pitch. Calv, Joe Warrell was the option that Nuno overlooked for, for this game to add, add experience to one of those two younger centre-halves. What do you think his mindset will be at this point, having seen Omar Bamadeli come into the side for the Blackpool game and keep his place? You know,
2: I've, I've said about Joe before in other interviews on podcast, you know, Joe's a good player. He's a good defender. I just think for why Forrest wants to play, you know, they want to play high, they want pace at the back. It just doesn't suit Joe. Um, now Nuno's done that as well and and played the, the young lad instead of him. I think Joe will have to move on. I do honestly think he'll have to move on if he wants to be a regular be a regular in a side. I, I just I talk about experience. Joe's experience, you you'd think if Nuno was going to go for experience, he'd play him, but obviously he he didn't want to. He he went for the for the other young boy. So it's it's not the best situation for Joe, but I, I just feel that he'll have to move on. And I, I, I feel it's probably right for Nuno to, play, to not play Joe. You know, I don't... No disrespect to him. Again, I think he's, he's been brilliant for Forrest, you know, getting us to the Premier League and things like that. He's a great lad, willing to learn all the time. But I just feel that, you know, that I, I don't think in playing would have made made any difference, to be honest.
1: Uh, Let me just take a second to give a plug for our sponsors, as ever, the Trent Navigation. If you're watching this on a Monday uh, before the evening, then get down and you can get double sumps on your beer loyalty card. Uh, So yeah, do that and appreciate their support as ever. Um, I do want to come on to our positive things because there were lots of them, but just a couple of other bits. Just the Ivan Tony circus temps from a branding point of view. You work at Trent Bridge, you market these things. I can sort of see why Sky did it. Because it's not the most attractive fiction necessarily, but to build the guy up as you know the second coming of Messi meets Ronaldo meets Pele okay. meets you know Benzema and the other Ronaldo combined, it, it got a bit over the top for me, and I had my say on the whole man of the match thing on the post match stream as well.
0: You build the narrative, don't you? And as a as a producer at Sky or a marketing man at the club, of course you're going to get into it. But he's going to go to Arsenal in two weeks' time, and they'll forget about him pretty quickly. I think we'll leave the last word on this to the Forest fans, who had their own say when Brentford decided to flash their LEDs, play the Undertaker theme tune, and have a 45 second intro video for for Ivan Toney. And that you seek out the um, seek out the clip. I can't repeat what they were chanting. But that's not what we've come to be known for at Forest, where the atmosphere just feels so much more authentic. There's no flashing LEDs, there's no wrestling theme tunes. And yeah, the the away support, again, letting Brentford's media manager know in no uncertain terms what they thought of his uh, novelty disco lights. True. Yeah, not too much more to say about it. I thought you know, giving him
1: man of the match was a bit silly because I thought there were better players on the pitch. Even though I think he's a top player and you know should go on and play, you know, make the Euros and play for a really top Premier League club. So yeah, no disrespect to him at all. Um, the only other thing I wanted to pick up on around things that we weren't great at, Kelvin, Just the last we had ten minutes of injury time. And we didn't lay a glove on them, and they had they'd lost five games in a row. So, I you know they they would have been nervous seeing that game out. I imagine is that because we were knackered from the extra time against Blackpool, or is it our own failings in, in more general terms, where we just got to be better in those situations?
2: Yeah, I think it could be a number of things. It could be that, but then I think it comes down to the coaching staff, you know, to to get the message on. Either change the formation, you know, you know, there's ten minutes left, you, you need to get back in the game, so. You know, it comes down to the manager and his and his staff to to put the message on to send players forward, or even, like I say, change the formation. You know, players. I won't say you they would not get given up or thought they've lost the game because it's, it's a long time ten minutes in a game. You know what I mean? But I think a, a majority of it comes from comes from the management side to to change things and you know leave extra players up the pitch because if you're going to lose the game, you you, know, you can lose it by one goal, yeah, but at least go and have a fight. And if you concede another one, you can say, right, it's only because we sent players up to try and win the game. Mm-hmm. But to not lay a glove on them for for that long of, of injury time was a bit, yeah, it was a bit confusing. A bit, I was very surprised, right, yeah.
1: Um, Bertels rang me afterwards absolutely raging about the amount of free kicks we gave away in that fight. I mean, he was raging me about a lot of things, to be honest, but, we did give a lot of free kicks away um, late in the game and kind of throughout the Mangala one as well. Is that Premier League naivety? I know young Aguilera did did it quite a few times. I don't really hold that against him because he's a young player. But, um, yeah, what's going on with that as well, Kelvin?
2: Yeah, I I think just in in the Premier League in general, if you touch someone, especially if you're going to waste time, they're going to go down. They're going to go down. Mm -hmm. But then on the flip side as a player, you just don't want that player getting around you. You don't want him, you know... You want to get physical with them. You want to get tight to them. And, but they are going to go down. That's just the nature of the Premier League, unfortunately. You know, it's, it's not like when Gary Burger used to play where you could go through the back of someone and they've got to get up after that. <laughs> but, um, but, yeah, it, it's very frustrating as a fan to watch. And even as an ex-player, it's frustrating because you are screaming at TV, like, Don't give us a silly free kick away there. But being a player, you know, and Temps as a player as well, like you said... It's hard to...
0: Um... <laughs> don't don't say that, he's going to actually live off that for weeks yeah.
1: now.
0: There's the sound bite, put that in the clip, <laughs> Davis. Yeah.
2: It is hard to control your emotions at times because you're that eager to get the ball back and and things like that. So, I I do understand it from a player's side, but I do understand it is frustrating to watch as well, especially when it's needless free kicks and, you know, if the guy does beat you, you know you've got another four or five players behind you to, to try and win it back as well, so don't give the free kick away. So, yeah, it's it's frustrating and especially when you know they're going to take extra time to take the free kick and you need a goal and the clock's ticking. It is frustrating.
1: Um, Let's change gear and talk about uh, some positives because there were some. I know we spent 35 minutes focusing on things that went wrong, but just before we do that, if you're liking the stream, do us a favour, like say, like and subscribe. Uh, Give us a good review on iTunes. Uh, It all really helps spread the word. Right, some of the good stuff then, Temps, just a couple of players. I mean, uh, Danilo, a really good goal Feels like we're seeing the player that we saw at the end of last season again, you think, now?
0: Danilo's putting together a really good highlight reel now, isn't he? He scored against Brentford last term, but just the bit of anticipation for the goal is what I liked. He, he saw where the clearing header was going to drop, got himself in the position, then just that efficiency to control it and find the corner so, so fluidly. I thought it was really impressive. There was a little bit of a nutmeg in the build-up to the Chris Wood goal as well from Danilo. Just increasingly comfortable on the ball, and I think he has that ability to pass to carry and to play the ranging pass as well. I just, just think he's just uh, uh, one of the more complete central midfielders that, that we have. has his moments. There's, there's those slight frustrations with giving the ball away. I'd like to see him on the ball more earlier in games. I think he benefits a lot when Morgan Gibbs Whites in the side because he doesn't have to be quite such a creative fulcrum. And MGW does attract a, a lot of attention. But if you were to put together the three-minute YouTube highlight package now of Danilo's time at Forest, it'd be quite impressive.
1: Um, the other one I wanted to pick out, Calvin, was, was Chris Wood, who I imagine is a bit of a nightmare to play against because obviously he's big and strong, but I, I think he's also pretty intelligent with his movement and his link-up play. What's your take on kind of just his evolution as a Forest player? I mean, he was really a figure of derision last season, but he's you know, he's almost becoming a fan favourite now.
2: Yeah, I've played against Chris Wood. I've played against him a, a few times. Um, he's a very awkward player. He's, he's a big guy. He's physical. But one thing he is, is well, he doesn't stop running. His work rate is brilliant, you know. Technically, yeah, he's not he's not your typical striker, you know, who's technically brilliant. He is techni- He's not technically bad at all. I'm not saying that, but mm-hmm. you do look at strikers as being the most technical players uh, as such, but but yeah, he's you know he had a really hard start at Forest and he's, he's absolutely turned it around with his with his goals. And just, I, I just feel that it's that's a player playing with confidence. He's playing with so much confidence now, and it's just oozing out of him. And you can see everything he kind of touches in the in the, the box he's going in. And it was um it was a great it was a great goal, great header. It's trademark, you know, trademark goal header. So you know, if we can continue him scoring, it's it's definitely gonna help us. And not just that, I just feel his work rate. Gets overlooked. You know, people don't appreciate how RD works. He, he doesn't stop running.
1: Yeah, when he signed, I think it was quite noticeable because he wasn't able to do those shuttle runs to press defenders and press keepers. He will probably can't arrive from Newcastle half-fit, but this season, after a pre-season, yeah, I think he's done really well for us overall. Um, so fair play to him. Uh, Out of curiosity, what was the worst kind of player, striker, to play against for you? Obviously, you're going to say Messi, but in terms of the profile of a striker that you hated playing against, was it the big, strong ones or the nippy ones? Yeah, you see, that that's with me. I'm, I'm a
2: big guy myself, but I didn't. I'd rather play against the small guys. I was rather. I was pretty quick, so I wasn't. I didn't mind getting into a foot race with players. You know, the big, strong guys who hold it up, hold you off, and spin your kind of thing. I did I that was something I didn't really like to play against. You know, playing with Wes for four years at Forest, we kinda of had like a a thing where we would say, right, Wes would fight the players because that was he liked that. And I said anything over the top, I would chase. And we had kind of an agreement, goal kicks, free kicks, etc. Wes you go and edit, if you lose it, I'm in behind to to try and clean up. So yeah, I'd rather I'd rather play against the sharp, sharp little guys than the the big guys because the The big guys, like I say, they can roll you and, yeah, they just bring other players into play. Where a short guy, you know, really his aim is just to knock it by you and run because most centre-offs are known as just being big lumps. So the the small strikers always think, oh, if I knock it, I can get a yard on him. But, you know, that was my game. I was pretty quick, so I didn't mind that.
1: Um, This is a luxury question that we don't normally get, Temps, but is coming back to fitness. I mean, it's not like nailed on now that as soon as he's fit, he comes back in, is it? He he might have to bide his time being a 20-minute man himself, or could we even see them playing as a pair, potentially?
0: Chris Wood looks like a man who's motivated to keep the shirt, doesn't he? I think we're seeing the real Chris Wood now. I was critical of him last season where we hadn't adapted or at least learned to play with Chris Wood and perhaps wrongly typecast him as this target man which, which he isn't necessarily, he scores those target man type goals. And that was a classic Chris Wood goal against Brentford. But then he pops up with the the Newcastle hat trick and um, shows us that he can shift his hips and and finish with that, that, that left peg as well. There's a deafness of touch there. And whilst he, he's not an explosive runner, you're right, he's constantly on the move, isn't he? dragging defenders all over the shot, passing himself between the two and just, just making himself awkward to be around. So what happens when Tywa comes back? Well, I think Tywa inevitably has struggled to be a 90-minute man, hasn't he? We've seen that. He's been at his best where he's had 70 minutes, scored his goal and Chris Wood's come on back end. So to build his fitness, he needs to be integrated into the side. But I would like us to have that problem and inform Chris Wood, who's scoring goals as he is at this, this moment in time, Able to, to stake a claim to, to, to keep that spot. I think all things being equal, both being fit, both starting next season, for example, Tyro gets a nod because he has certain facets which Wood doesn't have, uh, particularly with that explosive pace and that ability to, to, to run a defender and put them on an island one on one. So yeah, he's made it harder. He's impressed us all, including those of us that were critical of him in the the, the first six months, seven, eight months of his, his spell at Forest. But he's, he's proved that doubt was wrong. He's an integral part of this side. He's the reason why we're picking up points in tyler's absence. He'll have, he'll have a fight on his hand to get that shirt back straight away. I think ultimately, though, Tyber will re-establish himself as our starting number nine. And I can't see us playing those two up top. I just think their profiles are just, just slightly too similar um, to, to be your kind of classic forward pairing, which is a rare thing in the Premier League these days. I, I don't think we'll see those two starting too many games together.
1: Um, one other point that I wanted to pick up on, which I thought was a positive, Kelvin, just in terms of the way we're going about these games now. Obviously, under Steve Cooper, we were we went away and we're probably more conservative. But every game under Nuno, it feels like we've had a go and we've looked to impose ourselves, which which to me feels like a positive. Is that a noticeable change for you in the difference between the, the two managers?
2: Yeah, definitely. You know, I think I think under under Steve Cooper again, not criticizing absolute legend for Forrest, you know. But I think a lot of games kind of turned into... What I noticed as a personal preference was that, that it seemed like sometimes a Premier League... It seemed like a cup game, like a Premier League team playing against a lower league team. It just seemed like it was a cup tie, like it was open. I just feel like now we look established. We look like we... We could win, especially the, the games against Newcastle and, and United, you know. we look We look solid. We look more... Like we've got a plan, if that makes sense. And that's not like no disrespect to Steve at all. But we just look a little bit more organised. We don't look so open. You know, it's not a basketball match where it's from end to end. And and we keep the ball a little bit more. Going back to Danilo, I think when he first came, he was a little bit like a burst balloon. He was very energetic, a bit all over the place. But now he, he just looks so comfortable and he's showing his class. He's showing why, why he's raved about and, and, and why he's a big signing for us and I think he'll go on like Murillo as well to be a fantastic player for Forest.
1: So, uh, 45 minutes in so we've probably started joining towards a conclusion. I mean, where do you think we're at now, Temps, as, as a team? We, we, we're conceding a lot of goals but we've picked up some nice wins. We've got horrific fixtures coming up but we've beaten you know, good teams as well. We've got FFP hanging overhead, we've got injuries but they're not too far away from coming back. There's,
0: there's lots of ways you could spin it so how do you feel about where we're at now? Probably the hardest team to predict in the Premier League at this moment in time. I think from the results we've had, positive and negative, you can see what the plan is when we're at our best. We're starting to identify the frailties as well, though. And every every team has these. Um, every team's flawed in, in, in some way. So, yeah, I think I think there's, there's still a slight concern there, isn't there, that we'd like to ease ourselves away from the trapdoor because... We know there's a, the possibility of a sporting sanction that is out of the hands of the players, out of the hands of the fans. And it's just something that we may or may not have to deal with at, at some point in time. But we're probably all nervously glancing on that table, imagining what it would look like with five points deducted, what it would look like with six points deducted and who we need to, to, to beat and stay ahead of to, to keep ourselves out of danger in, in that regard, what I do think is from this point on, we're going to improve because MGW comes back into the side. Tyra comes back into the side. We get key centre halves back from AFCON duty. So this is our tough spell now. This is where we're up against it. This is where we're missing a langer for three or four more weeks. This is where we're missing those players I've just mentioned. Whatever happens in the in the transfer window, we've identified a couple of areas there we think we might like to improve. There's a lot of improvement from within. There's a lot over in Africa. There's a lot over in the physio room. And when they come back into this side, it's going to be hard to pick an 11. And I think we're all comfortable that when those players are available, we can be a match for most sides in this league. So we'll improve from this point. going to be a difficult few weeks. We're going to have to show some patience. Any activity in the transfer window will be a bonus, particularly if we can address the keeper situation. But I'm more excited about unavailable players coming back into the fold.
1: Uh, Thanks, Stephen Banks, for becoming a member. I appreciate that. Someone's asking how you become a member. Uh, It should say join underneath this video or on the homepage or if you click on the YouTube channel and our profile, there's a link there uh, as well. Um, Yeah, so anyway, Kelvin, um, what do you think about our our overall prospects for the rest of the season? Optimistic or or worried?
2: No, I think I agree with Temps. I think players that are coming back is going to make a massive, massive difference. I think just get past this month, I think, you know, get as many points as we can on, on, the, on the board. And I think once he's got his players back and he can work with them on the on the training ground, I think we'll be fine. Obviously, with the sanctions that if we get any, you know, that's completely out of the players' hands, out of anyone's hands. So it's, it's just getting as many points as we can. I just, I do really, really, really believe that they need to get a goalkeeper. I really honestly believe that. I think even with all the players back, I just, I just feel they need. A, we need a goalkeeper. We need someone just to, even if it's the Naves, just to see us through to the end of the, the, the season. And then in the summer, look for someone established to to put in between the the post. But yeah, that's my that's my only concern. I don't, you know, I don't have much worry about, you know, going down and things like that when we've got all the players back. But I do have a concern with the the goalkeeping area because it's just, you know, goalkeepers. You, you do think, yeah, one or two mistakes. But it's it's kind of becoming a weekly thing where the talking point is always the goalkeeper, and I just feel keep conceding goals. You, you we're not a team like Man City where we can concede two or three and go and score you know three or four. That's that's not where we are at, at the minute. So I think that the goalkeeper is the the really important position that we need to strengthen.
1: You've led nicely. It's the last topic I was going to ask you about. Then is is Oral Mangala potentially going to Napoli? Which could uh, I don't we don't know the FFP budget and everything, but I get him going could fund a goalkeeper. Um, it would be a deal where, according to reports, he goes on loan and we get 25, 30 million euros if he plays uh, more than half their games for more than forty five minutes, which isn't necessarily a, a done deal. Um, what's your take on Mangala potentially going then, Kelvin?
2: Yeah, I think if it's seems like Napoli and that coming in for players that you, you know he would it, more than likely go. He would more than likely go. If he didn't want to go, you know, that would have been... Because that would have been spoken about behind closed doors. You know, being an ex-player, your agent comes to you with a club, right, this club's interesting, would you be interested? Because Napoli won't want to embarrass themselves by chasing him and then him coming out and saying, oh, I don't want to go anyway, no. So that would have been negotiated and stuff like that, his personal side. So I think with the size of Napoli, you know, Champions League football, he probably will be going, yeah.
1: Uh, last question for you, Temps, is a question from Lee. Let's talk about Nuno Tavares, and only in a footballing sense. Um, people questioning him starting uh, over Toffolo until Aina gets back. Uh, a few people commenting on that. Well, what do you think about that?
0: It's something in him, you know. There was, uh, was a period in the game where he was kind of getting the flicks and tricks out with um, Callan Danilo on the on, on the left wing, second half of the game. And I could see there's there's a footballer in there. There's a, there's, a, there's a certain composure and ability to find a pass that we certainly didn't see when he lined up for Arsenal against in the Cup a couple of years ago. So there's a, there's a player in there somewhere. But three weeks ago, I thought we were writing him off and sending him back to Arsenal. Toffler had made a good account of himself and, and Aina looked like the, the, the starter. So if we are trying to save cash and those boys are fit and available, I wouldn't be too disappointed about sending him Back, I don't think there's he, he's that much better than Aina or, or Toffolo in any particular attribute to to justify keeping him around if he's the most expensive option. And ultimately, he's not our player. There's very little prospect of a, a permanent transfer, so I don't think he's the one for as long term. So I'd probably err towards letting him go once the the cover's back, and I'd certainly steer clear of him on social media.
1: Yeah, no comment on that. Um Right. Uh, uh, well, uh, as ever, we'll do any other business. Calvin isn't familiar with this, but we'll give people
0: a quick form to say anything they want to add. Anything for you, Temps, before we depart? No, nothing to say. Cheers, Calvin. Enjoyed, uh, enjoyed chatting, mate. No, brilliant. Really.
1: Anything for you, Calvin? Any final points before we go? No, it's been a pleasure. Enjoyed it.
0: Good, good. Oh, whack
1: the mic. Very professional. Uh quick one from me. Uh, I had a message from uh, Jan uh, uh, asking for a plug for the newly launched NFFC Avon supporters group. They had their first meeting before the Brentford game. Uh, and I said, send me a photo and I'll put it on. So hopefully this works. Uh, there you go. There's the lads who met. Whoever's taking that picture, move your thumb next time. But uh, good to see another group of supporters uniting to uh, get behind Forest. So that's all good. Right. I think that's just about it. We shall be back um, Tuesday and Wednesday uh, and Thursday and Friday actually this week because uh, the game's on a Friday night. So join us uh, tomorrow if you can. Uh, and thanks for everyone's company. Very much appreciate it. Good to have uh, 450 plus people with us uh, on a Monday afternoon after a defeat. Right, Temp, thank you very much.
0: Cheers, fellas. See you
1: soon. Calvin, good to have you with us. Hopefully you'll join us again. Hopefully you enjoyed that. So thank you to you. No problem. See you soon. Thank you very much, everyone. Uh have a good day. Uh we'll be back tomorrow, so do join us if you can. But in the meantime, as Calvin says, we shall see you soon. Sports Social Podcast Network.